0: This episode contains adult themes and is not appropriate for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised.
1: Oh, hey. Hi. It's Crystal, just sitting here behind this microphone. I was just reflecting on all of the shares that we've had on social media and all the people that are subscribing and the, uh, Apple podcast review contest that's going and just thinking about all the engagement and community that support that I've had during this, because this is number four, we're halfway through the first season and I am so proud of where we are, um. And we still have, so you have until March 28th to go on to Apple Podcasts, write your review because we have our contest going and what's going to happen is then I will put all the names into a bowl and I will draw one name of all the people that did Apple Podcast reviews and they will win a free WBY t-shirt of their choice, obviously their size choice, um, Not that there's multiple t-shirts to choose from. I'm not that big. (laughs) There's only one. But it's pretty cool with our logo. So um, if you could do that, get on right now. Write a review. Tell us what you're thinking. Tell us how this has helped you. Tell us what you're getting out of it. Um, Tell us all the things. It helps us keep going. So if you could do that really quick, that would be awesome. We need all the positivity we can in this universe. With the last couple weeks of the virus, all the crazy politics, just constant negativity everywhere we turn. These little tiny things just keep us going. You know, it keeps me going. And um, if I can just have the more engagement I can get and the more people I can get excited about this podcast, it really just helps and encourages more guests to come on and talk and share because that's what we're doing here, right? We're trying to heal, we're trying to grow and we're trying to learn. Um, We've got Lee Lee is number four. Oh, Lee. She's absolutely amazing. I had a really hard time picking something for Lee. Lee is a magical being, and I really wanted it to be perfect. Uh, So I did some research and I came up with a, a poem from author and poet Nikita Gill. It's called The Making of You. The universe had to fall apart into dust first to become its majestic, incredible, infinite self. What makes you think this breaking, this trauma, this destruction won't be the making of a more powerful you too? I picked that poem for Lee because Lee is someone that actually thinks about how she's connected to the stars, how she's connected to the earth, how she's connected to the universe on a daily basis. She is someone that practices ritual, she is someone that practices manifestation. Um, she is uh, somebody that has intention in her life. And what's really interesting about Lee is that she's also a practitioner and a healer. And um, I thought that poem was really powerful uh, because it is about how we feel when we first discover our trauma, which was late in her life, which is really hard. And then how we have to keep that in our bodies and find a way to reconnect us to the stars to ourselves to the universe and i thought it was just really perfect for her another thing that's really interesting about lee is that she's a really strong intuitive like she can pick up on things really fast and thankfully her intuition is so strong because i'm absolutely convinced that that's what's helped her survive being able to read a room, read people, and trust your gut is something that is extremely powerful, not just when dealing with trauma, but in everyday life. Being able to know that you know what truth is, and you know that what's inside of you is what you should follow. And being around Lee, she is someone that will remind you, just being in her presence, that you also need to check in with your own gut and what it's saying. And it's a good reminder for everyone to pause sometimes and listen to what your inner voice is saying and go with it. Because the more you listen, the more you know you're right, and the more you can trust. And it's so important. Trauma or no trauma, right? So here we are. Number four. Ah, Please keep listening, subscribing, join the Apple podcast review contest, and go into this podcast using that Radical Hospitality Open heart, open mind, listen to this with no judgment. Thanks so much for listening, and I love you.
0: Lee, where were, where were you born? Rochester, New York.
1: Oh, Rochester, New York. Were your parents together? They were. They were. Okay. How long have they been together up to that point?
0: I think, I want to say like a year and a half, two years. Okay.
1: So fairly young. Yeah. Still new love? No. No.
0: <laughs> my dad. My dad told me the other day that he remembers when he got married to my mom. On that night, she started crying and she was like, "I still think this is gonna last." He's like, "You couldn't have told me that yesterday." Yeah. So that happened.
1: Yeah. How brothers and sisters?
0: I have a. Uh, older brother, he's sixteen months older than me. Okay, so, so it was just close. you two, mm-hmm. just
1: you two. Okay, are they from the
0: East Coast area? Yep. Okay,
1: so they're from. And then how long? I'm I'm assuming they're not together anymore.
0: Nope, they got divorced, and I was like a year and a half or two. Oh, so early. Yeah. Okay, so new love, had babies, and
1: then then what?
0: And then my dad moved to California.
1: Oh. When you were two?
0: Yeah. Wow.
1: Okay. And did he go by himself?
0: He did. He then um, got together with my stepmom, who's still my stepmom, when I was around f- four or five. five. Okay. And then my mom also remarried when I was like six or seven. Okay.
1: Is she still married to that person?
0: Yep. Oh, wow.
1: Okay. Yeah. Okay. Wow, that's crazy. I know. That's crazy. So your dad left, and what were you told when you left?
0: Um, To be honest, it's all coming back to me now. Um, I didn't remember any of my childhood except for a few moments before the age of seven. Wow! Until two years ago.
1: That's crazy.
0: Yeah, and then something happened that kind of triggered some memories, and... That was just like a whole opening for me to call back and anything that was important for me to know.
1: Yeah. Gosh, that must feel strange.
0: Super strange. Yeah. It was like a little bit of an identity crisis. hmm Yeah. And yeah. I wasn't sure what to believe because just huge chunks of time were missing. And I didn't know that that wasn't normal. Mm-hmm. And I think I had created a, an illusion around everything to, you know, yeah. for self-preservation.
1: Yeah, survival. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. That is crazy. Okay, so let's go to that trigger that made you re- start remembering some mm-hmm. things. Um, was it a specific thing or was it just a conversation?
0: It was, um, well, I've had, so... I've had a lot of traumatic experiences through life that should have triggered that, but it was so repressed. I didn't, you know, I was just looking at things that were in my life at that time that caused, you know, these painful things. But two years ago in the business that I own, in a wellness space, I was getting a massage and then all these memories. And I had like a a release on the table, and just started crying and had memories of being abused, Ugh. sexually and physically and emotionally. Um, but I just didn't understand it in my mind because I didn't um, didn't have the memory, so I didn't know that it was true. But my body and my spirit were telling me something different, and the practitioner was saying that's what she felt too. Wow. So then I just started digging, and I started calling my stepmom to see if she knew anything. And I started, I called my mom and just told her, you know, the memories that I had. And it took her 58 minutes to believe me or to validate anything or to say she was sorry about any of it because I was so little you know I was four or five years old and I didn't realize this but my mom is a very sick person she brought really sick people around and she would you know leave my brother and I alone at four and five years old and our neighbors would come over and one of the neighbors was abusing me and then my Mother used to, she was a, a waitress and a bartender, so she was always high or drunk, and she would bring home people that would also abuse us Ugh. and lock us in closets, and, um, you know, they just didn't want us to be, it was just, it would steal from us, and, you know, I tried talking to my brother about it, too, because um, I just needed that validation for the yeah. memories, you know, my mom would like never, either she was never home and we were with a babysitter or we were by ourselves. So we were, we had to grow up fast. You know, we were, we would cook for ourselves. At, oh yeah. You know, mm-hmm. five years old and take care of the house and do, I mean, as best as you could when you're that little. Mm-hmm. But um. yeah, so she was in her own state of delusion she's very mentally ill and um you know we talked about borderline personality disorder which is what i think um that she has and I'm trying not to label but i also put her in a label she's got psychopathic tendencies i don't believe she has a conscience mm. um and she's a master manipulator Ugh. a narcissist and I know narcissism, if if you have psychopathic or sociopathic tendencies, then you are also a narcissist. Um, and so, yeah, she just, you know, she doesn't, she created her own story of what the reality was when we were growing up. And I just believed it because I didn't, I was blocking out most of my childhood. What did she,
1: what did she tell you?
0: You know, I remember being like, my mom and I are best friends, and oh. she's she she would talk, make me talk to her every day because she just needed control, and I just fell into that and didn't even know. You know, after she got married and things got a little bit more normal with my stepdad, she was always still stealing money from me, and she just, you know, she there's a golden child and that was my brother, so I was the one to. You know, I was less than average in her eyes and not never pretty enough or never good enough. And she would cut my hair like a boy and dress me in boy clothes and try to – she was very competitive with me all the time. So she just wanted to dim my light. Yeah,
1: yeah. What did she tell you about your father?
0: She – what came back to me recently was that – because I was always really afraid of him. And when we'd go visit him once a year, I was terrified to go there. But then when I'd get there, it would feel so different because I loved him. And then I'd come back. I'd just be very confused. I was just always confused about it. But um, what came back to me was that she had told me that he was the one who sexually abused me.
1: She told you this at a young age? Yeah. That your father was a molester? Mm-hmm. I am so sorry that like I'm now I'm tearing up. I'm sorry already it's happening. <laughs> That's like oh and then meanwhile you have like strangers and were they mostly men? Yeah. Okay. Meanwhile you have um neighbors and or people that she's associated with doing those said
0: things. Ugh. <laughs> God. And you know, she was just such a good manipulator. And I think because I am empathic and highly sensitive, and so I just wanted to hold her pain, and I could see that she was in pain all the time. And I just wanted her to feel good about herself. So that's kind of what I did for the rest of my life until two years ago. I was that person for her. She moved She moved out of state when I was 17. Um, My brother left the house when he was 16. He's got a whole other set of issues, just being the golden child. Oh, yeah. And she also was pretty sick. Like, she had a thing for him because he reminded her so much of my dad. He looks a lot like my dad. And so she would almost treat him as if that was her man. Oh, man. So um, he's caught a lot of repressed anger. and. When I started coming out with my truth a couple of years ago, he wasn't ready for it. He's still not ready for it. So was he also told the same thing that his father molested him? No, he wasn't sexually abused. It was he, just you. It was just me, and he was more physically abused by the people that she brought around, um, and then emotional abuse yeah. because of what she would tell him. You know, and and the body doesn't understand too. So like. Emotional abuse, the body takes on as physical abuse. Mm-hmm. So so you know, I left the house when I was 17. my brother left when he was 16 and I you know would just be with the worst men and have terrible relationships. and at one point I was 95 pounds. and mm-hmm. I was like in my early 20s and I was with this really abusive man and I was suicidal. And I called my mom and I, because she was my friend, right? She was my person. I thought, and, you know, she just, she never came. She never tried to help me. I told her I was suicidal and she never did anything about it. So I feel super grateful for my friends. Yeah. I've always had amazing friends
1: that are your family. Yeah. That you can trust
0: unconditionally. But I didn't understand these feelings I was having, but it was all repressed Mm -hmm. trauma that I just didn't even know I had. Right. till two years ago. Two years ago. So was the therapist the first person you told? Yep. Oh my God. And then after that, who was it? And I called my stepmom and I asked her if she remembered anything. And she said that she did remember me calling them and just telling them that there was this... Because one of them was younger, he was like 13, and then another one was like a man, so maybe in his 20s or 30s. And I think there was one more. Um, But the first one I remembered was my neighbor, who was like 13. And she said, my stepmom said she remembered him being um, you know, me calling him, complaining about him and not, you know, whatever I would say at four or five years old. But she said that they called my mom and that my mom said she would get me counseling and that she would help me. And I I don't know. It seems like my dad says he doesn't remember any of that. So I don't know. It's it's hard when it's so long ago. It's hard to get validation. It's hard to get answers. Mm -hmm. And it's really something that you have to believe in yourself about. Yeah. And I was like praying for memories to come through so I could just know exactly what had happened.
1: Yeah. Like what your body went through, what your mind went through, what your
0: soul went through. Yeah.
1: What you went through.
0: And so I've gotten the memories I needed to get to know my truth. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and then I sought validation through just different forms of healers, energy workers, and um, you know, clairvoyance that I really trusted in. And um, when I called my mom that day, she discredited me um, and she started talking to our family about um you know making up her story her story was always that she was a single mother and my dad never gave her any child support and she had to work three jobs to support us and she was kind of like you know this victim that that was her story and so poor poor lee you know her mom couldn't be there all the time cuz she was trying to help raise her you know and that wasn't what i was saying at all i just was right. trying to find the truth, and I wasn't even blaming. I was like, this happened to me. You know, did you know about this? And 58 minutes, she did didn't she say know. no at first? Was she defensive? She, oh, she was defensive. So she, she was, was like, it's not true? Yeah, she was like, you nope. Know, mm-hmm. Oh, my God. And then 58 minutes into the phone call, when I was just having firm boundaries that day, and, and all these memories started flooding to me about my <sighs> relationship with my mother, and all the times that she put me down, and all the times that... You know, she tried to make me manipulate me and believe in things that weren't true. And 58 minutes later, she she cried this cry. It was like a wail of a cry that I had never, it was just the most interesting sound. Like a scream? It was almost like what I feel like it was, was guilt. Um, you know, like... Like something came over. Yeah, just right. finally, like, because her body, you can't hold that kind of stuff in. You know, I mean, she was really damaging herself at that time, and you know, she was abandoning her own body. And she was just bringing men over, sleeping with whoever, whenever, always high, always drunk. And, you know, even to this day, I just feel sad for her life. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think that she has the tools to access her own healing and doesn't think she needs it. It doesn't yeah. think, you know, she doesn't know how to take accountability for her life, let alone to children. Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, have still been digging and I've been doing that same thing where you just ask your family questions. I want to know the truth and I'm opening doors that people are not ready for. Yeah. And, and that's okay. They don't need to be ready for it. This is, I've decided about me and my own discovery and my own journey. And it's really been, I've created this new relationship with my father that I've never had, mm. was able to have. And did um, he know that she accused him? No. Oh. He knew the things that she was doing. She, cause he tried to, he told me that he tried to, get custody of my brother and I. But that was back when men really couldn't get custody. Mm-hmm. And she, my mom had asked him for $10,000, and she would give us to him if he would pay her. And he got the money, and she had changed her mind. And she was like, nope, I'm not going to do it anymore, and started using us as tools against him, and then as kind of accessories to get what she wanted and play this victim role mm-hmm. and play the single mother, poor mm-hmm. me, and would get money from people. And she was just such a scammer. And um, take all the things my dad would send for Christmas and put her name on them and take any child support and spend it herself, and we wouldn't have any money for clothes or the things that we needed, you know, until my stepdad came into our lives around the time of six, seven, and she needed it to appear a certain way. So she started changing around him, how she would treat us, but like... God, she's just so good at manipulating. It was hard to you know, so, I felt like no one believed me about how she would be treating me.
1: Right. So, was it like Jekyll and Hyde shit? Oh yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. So, it was a uh, like you if he was around, you were safe.
0: Yeah. And he's he's a victim too. Like he's she's got him in this interesting web that well, obviously she's not her true no. And you know, she's gotten all of our fam, we don't talk. I cut her out of my life because um, she couldn't she couldn't meet me where I needed her to meet me. and I was giving her the opportunity to speak the truth and at least take some accountability and she just she can't do it. So when she wailed, when she
1: had that scream, you think it was guilt that was coming out of her? I what think did so. she say After that? She just cried like. Did she say she believed you then? Did she like um, say? No. Yeah.
0: And then she would tell people, you know, I haven't talked to any of our family members about it because this is, for my, this is my business, you know, with her. And it's my relationship. And they have their own relationship with her. And I'm not trying to mm-hmm. sabotage right. those ties. Right. I, I just, you know, want to be respected And if I'm going to have a relationship with people, that it's going to be my own relationship outside of her. Mm -hmm. But people don't respect – nobody in the family on her side is respecting my boundaries at all. So I've had to really – What does that look like? Just bringing her up all the time and like, your mother says so many great things about you. Like, they just have no idea. She's painting this picture of herself and how I'm like turning my back on her and, you know – because of something that happened when I was five. But really, it's been my entire life that she's treated me in this way. Yeah, less than, making you feel less than.
1: Yeah. And that you're not enough. Yep. So you had said, what did you say? And it made me think I wanted to go back to it. Oh, you had said that she wasn't meeting you at at your terms, and she wasn't leaning in. So you have this conversation with her two years ago. How does it end? How does that conversation end? She's crying after 50
0: Eight minutes. Yeah. And then what happens? And then nothing. It's kind of just, you know, she's not validating me. Mm-hmm. I'm. She's being defensive. And it's not healthy for me to be on the phone with right. her anymore. Right. So I just tell her I'm going to go. And I talk to her. You know, a couple more times, and I just said, "Look, I need to do my own healing around this, so I'm not going to talk to you while I'm doing that." And yeah. I blocked her number. Oh wow! And so she got a new number and tried finding ways. You know, like she's a forcer of things, so wasn't. Rec- mm. I'm just thankful we live on opposite sides of the country. So I then spoke to my stepdad, her husband now, and and told him my truth. He started crying and validating me about who she is, and couldn't believe that I could see all these things about her. And, you know, he kind of feels stuck and doesn't know how to get out because he's in an abusive relationship with her. And I thought maybe speaking my truth to him and trying to, you know, let him know that he's seen. Yeah. And we just had this really beautiful conversation. And then he just went back to being with her because he doesn't know mm-hmm. how not to. Right. Yeah. Right. But he he shared that he saw it. Yeah. Which is huge. Yeah.
1: And that's so much validation. Yeah. For you to have like one person. Right. Saying, oh my God, yes. Yeah. This isn't, you're not crazy. Right. And how that must feel when you've been kind of alone.
0: Right. In that. I and, know. And my brother did too. I mean, he knows that she's a narcissist and that she's mentally ill. And he validated the things that would happen were the people that she would bring around. But that's as far as he would go. He wouldn't.
1: So we don't know. Yeah. Really? Right. I mean, you know what you saw. Right. But you don't know. We don't know. How interesting and horrifying, you know? Yeah. For him. And how brave of you. to want to step up and and speak the truth. And the, I, it's so weird how I'm always amazed. Like, what is it that our bodies, what is it that opens to feel something that you've never felt? You know, like it's a bizarre thing when you start, when you feel like you're in a can and you want to crawl out.
0: Right. And, well, and, you know, what, what was that for you? What do you think it was? I think, you know, they're, that saying, what you seek is seeking you. Mm-hmm. I just had started to go to school for astrology and get into the healing arts and was really drawn to energy work and um, finding ways to really help myself and wanting to see that truth. Um, and so my body was like, okay, it's yeah. time. I'll show it to you. And little bits at a time, right? All these little... Memory, these little time chunks of time are coming back, and the more work I might I do on myself, I realize that the details aren't important. It's just the knowing mm-hmm. of what is that is your truth, and it could be a feeling, it could be you know it doesn't have to be so detailed, yeah, to believe yourself
1: mm-hmm.
0: um. I started really doing this work for other, started to do this work for other people because I just really want to do something with the trauma.
1: Mm-hmm. I don't
0: want to. I don't want to be a victim anymore.
1: Yeah,
0: I'm tired of it, mm-hmm. and I was tired of letting everyone else have that control over me and holding all of everybody else's pain and and not having any boundaries and not knowing how to stand up for myself and you know, believing the things that I was taught about who I really am. And I just... That you can't do it on your I, own. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: And, that you're not enough. It's like on repeat, mm-hmm. especially if your mom was competitive right, with you as a child. Yeah. It's like ridiculous. It's yeah. ridiculously enraging. Yeah. Like, so I can only imagine how much anger you've had to work through, through it all, you know, and... Often on this, uh, this experience with the podcast, forgiveness is brought up and um, I'm a, like, I'm right down the middle with forgiveness because as a woman, I can say that everyone tells me I need to forgive and I'm tired of people telling me that. Like, so acceptance is different. Mm-hmm. So I don't know where you sit if you have forgiven
0: or accepted and, it, and all of it's good. You
1: know, all of it's good.
0: Yeah. I think it goes in waves. Yeah. You know, because I keep coming back to this love that I have for her, even though she was hurting me on purpose. I can still see past her trauma and her pain body and go into the light that she's not accessing. You know, she's really dark. Like, she's all the way dark. Mm-hmm. And is able to present a different way to people, which is super confusing, which is I. Like, Couldn't have that in my life. And so when I cut her out of my life, you know, I said, I love you. This isn't healthy for me. I've told you where to meet me. Since you can't do that, just because you're my mother, you don't get to be in my life. Mm -hmm. You did give birth to me, but that doesn't, I don't owe you. Yeah. And... Once I cut that energy out of my life, I was able to really do that healing, and I'm still doing it, but I think we're always doing that mm-hmm. and letting her know, you know from a distance, I mean, it's just important for me to not hold on to all that hatred
1: mm-hmm.
0: and I've been doing a ton of work around that, and I'm not saying that it's completely gone right but I just would rather choose love Mm -hmm. and see her as a human being on her own journey with her own demons. Yeah. And that saddens me for that person because she doesn't have the key Mm -hmm. to heal herself. And I can't imagine living in that mind. I can't imagine living in her body and with all the guilt, even if she doesn't have a a conscience. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not logical. I can't understand her because it's not, it doesn't make sense logically to me. Right. Because our brains work differently. right? And I really, if I can take a look at it, the more objectively I can look at it, at her, and look at her as a human being, and just keep doing my work around, you know, my relationship with her. She doesn't need to be in my life for me to do that work. I still have to do that work no matter what. Yeah. But when I, I'm choosing to do it with more supportive people in my life, mm-hmm. rather than you know, continuing to hit my head against so the wall, trying to have her wake up or have her to see the truth or have her. You can't own it. It's not, and yeah. she'll never validate it. Yeah.
1: And she that's won't. On, it's on her yeah. to own all of it. Do you think there's been anyone else in her whole life? that has spoke truth to her in this kind of way. I'm sure they wouldn't be around her if that was the case. She would cut them out. But I just wondered if you were maybe the first or...
0: It feels like it. Yeah, I bet it does. I I think my dad Mm. did too, but in a way that she was able to really... I mean, she obviously had his kids, so she was able to use us against him to get him to go away. Mm -hmm. Right, where Mm -hmm. she wants... She is looking for my validation, too. Like, she cannot believe I think this way about her or that I see this truth. And she wants so badly to discredit that so she could stay looking, this person that she's created. And control the narrative. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So you had had your stepdad um, validate you. And then I'm sure, did did you end up telling your father about the abuse you had as a kid? Oh, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. And he's validated. Yeah. And, you know, we've talked about trauma being passed down in the family. And, you know, my dad had a similar experience to me with his own mother. Um, His mother was a narcissist. His brother was a sociopath. There's a lot of mental illness on both sides of my family. And so when my dad and I kind of came back together, we really shared this connected on our stories. Mm -hmm. And it helped me to forgive him for what I thought was leaving, right? I felt just abandoned. Of course, by him. Mm-hmm. But in his mind, the more he would stay, stick around and try to help us, she was hurting us.
1: Mm-hmm. She was
0: she basically manipulated him into leaving. And he thought he was doing the right thing because when he was around, we we were in more pain and she was
1: well, and she Easy. did that parental alienation thing where right. where he wasn't allowed to have any space. Right. Even if it was a gift, it was it wasn't told to you that he's thinking about you or that he cares about you or anything like that. She just alienated him completely right. and then told you he molested you. I mean, like it's it's hard. That is hard for me to understand. And I know it's mental illness. I get it. I get it. But um I can't stop thinking about what the hell happened to her.
0: I know. I had asked her too. I said, I'm like, this what happened to you? Tell me your story. I try to connect with her on that. Like I wanted to see how did you become this person? Yeah. You I know? mean mental
1: illness, right? You you have it. Right. So it could just be that. Right. Essentially. Or personality disorder or it's unresolved trauma.
0: Right. Or all of it. Or all of it. Yeah.
1: Or all of it.
0: And so I asked her what her trauma was and you know, she lives in a rose-colored bubble. So she's like, "I already did all my work." Hmm. I had a great childhood. And I don't I don't know what the truth is. I obviously Have you ever met your grandparents, her mm-hmm. parents? How yeah. are they? I loved them. Hmm. Yeah. I really loved my grandfather. And my grand she had she had four, you know, there's five siblings in her family, so yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, I'm so drawn to the psychology of trying to understand the psychology to help me not I guess to help me with my judgment around it. Yeah, to heal. To heal, you know? Yeah. Um and to understand. I mean, I think that's the
1: longing when with trauma in any way, any form of trauma is that you just want to get to the point where the person or people that hurt you, that you have an understanding, you know, like Mm -hmm. uh, it's a yearn. I mean, I think any trauma survivor yearns for that because it's so dehumanizing um, in how we feel. So I find that that whole like what what the hell her childhood are ha-
0: your aunts and uncles did she have mm-hmm. both sisters and brothers? she's really close with her whole family when they're all alive still, yep, well, one um her sister died two years ago, one of her oh. sisters um, which she made all about her, and <laughs> tried to use that as a way to get me back into leveraged it, yep. Oh. Yeah, but they all live in different parts of the country. Hmm. All her, none of her friends, she's very, she's isolated herself. So she lives kind of in the middle of nowhere and doesn't, she has these relationships because they're over the phone or small amounts of time together where she can be on her best of behavior. Yeah. 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 So I don't know that if they see these things about her. Right. Which is another feeling of being invalidated because yeah. then, you know, yeah, I just feel like I'm not hurt or I have to be proving myself and I don't want to do that. So I'd rather just not involve anybody else where I feel like I have to prove something. Right.
1: Yeah. Well, that's a huge tree to bark up. Right. Huge. And you don't know what's under the tree. Right. You, know, you don't. And it may not be part of your story. Right. Or maybe twenty years from now it will be. Like you don't know, right? Which is part of the beauty of healing is that it is in your own time, yeah. Frame and you'll know what to do. But I also find like I don't know, I'm wondering about your brother and and you both. Like, did you do you see any patterns like from your childhood that you both have due oh. to some of the trauma that you both have the same like Maybe, yeah, things that are happening in your life that you want to fix and can't, connecting the trauma together.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, we both complete, uh, well, my brother's an alcoholic. Oh. And super into drugs. And I was, too, for a long time. Mm -hmm. that's how you cope. Yeah. Yeah. Escape. Yep. Perfect. It's it's easy and it's fast. It's fun. Yep. We were really good at it, mm-hmm. and you know, my brother's been a serial. He's been married several times. He's got several different children by several different women. Oh. I did the opposite and couldn't, didn't get married, and didn't want any children, and didn't, couldn't stay in a relationship to save my life. You know, we both have a lot of anger issues. We both, you know, <sighs> he doesn't. He lives in Tennessee. I'm here in Oregon, so we've kind of lost touch in the way that I'm now not settling for less than the truth, and he's not willing to go there. So it's kind of pushed us apart a little bit for now. Yeah, unless it's surface, which is... And he got super into church. What? Yeah, he's super into church. How long ago? Um, I mean couple of years ago and just thinks, yeah, he's he's gone. Was it
1: around the same time
0: of the truths coming out? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So it could have been a crisis move. Yeah.
1: What kind of church?
0: And my mom's super into church too. Oh, wait a minute. What? So yeah, she, she works at a church. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. What kind? What's, I think um, just like a non-denominational okay. Christian church, you know, that's the cover up. That's like, look at what a good person I am. Look what I do for everybody else. It's this interesting mm-hmm. cover story. Mm-hmm. Were you raised that way? Was she religious when you were younger? Yep. Oh. I mean, not super. Like, she didn't force us to go. It was just part always of part of the, this is what, what we do. We go to church. And, you know, I never went in high school. Yeah. Just when I was younger. Right, right. But, yeah, so mm. my brother took that on. Interesting. And I took the other form of spirituality and just started diving into all things taboo. Mm-hmm. So my family also thinks that I'm, you know, work with evil energy and work, you know. they like think you're a witch? Like I'm a witch. Oh, boy. So all those feelings of persecution. and Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm it's the same thing. Comes right back up. Lack of acceptance. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
1: That you they immediately think that something's you're doing something wrong instead of doing something wonderful to help other people right. deal with their trauma, which sounds like that's what – I don't know. I, I wonder if you – if it was just kind of like natural that you got into helping heal other people at – I mean, you've been doing that for quite some time yeah. in, your, in your work, and that was something that you were drawn to at a younger
0: age right? I was, but I got, I had to shut it all down. Oh, so it didn't start coming back to me until several years ago. I kind of shut down my intuition. I shut down any feelings of connecting to the cosmos or something greater than myself. I just, I didn't know what to do. Mm. I didn't know what to believe in. I didn't know. I couldn't believe in myself. Yeah. I tried going to church and it just didn't feel right. I mm-hmm. tried, I just was trying different things to see what connected, mm-hmm. what resonated with me. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I started studying astrology and the planets that I started getting more into sp- my spirituality. And then you started working with others
1: mm-hmm. and wanting to connect with them. Yep. And heal their trauma.
0: Yeah. And so now I'm just down. Yeah. going further down that road. I think that, that that's healing more than likely for you. Yeah. To be able to hold the space yep. for somebody else. Yeah. And it feels good to be able to make art from your pain. Mm-hmm. To Absolutely. do something with that rage. Yeah. Harness it. And, you know, an, I love to write poetry. I love to... Try to find my voice through expression. Yeah. Yes. Because I feel like my voice was taken from me. Mm -hmm. It was.
1: Yeah. I mean, essentially, it absolutely was, and that it's unfair that that happened to you. And it's a little. um, I think it's not everybody. Not everybody goes down that. Is open to that road, like of any kind of spirituality practice. Yeah. Um, Because so much of our lives in America we're taught that you know spirituality is community which is church essentially right so but the fact that you were have been able to like take something that's been so painful for you i mean it it kind of kills me lee because i don't think you we know how many like like how many times that you were even assaulted or like anything like that and the details are one is 10, 10 is 100. Like, that's how I view right. it. If it's one, it happened a million times. Like, right. it, you know, that's always how, how I view it. But because you can't, you physically can't, you're saying, okay, I'm okay with that. And I'm going to continue
0: to heal from what I know is there. Right. Because the know? more I was trying to, you know, like, you're, I, I know I told my mom. Mm-hmm. I know she knew. Mm-hmm. And then just would still leave me with his, these people. Yes. So she knew and didn't do anything about it. Like that was the hardest for me to get over. Yeah. You know, I'm just like, you're really not well. Yeah. You're not, I, it's so, it's a confusing, mm-hmm. it's just confusing. You yeah. know, I didn't, I didn't know what to believe or about her what was true what wasn't anytime I ever felt loved was that it, it wasn't yeah you know my whole life was a lie mm-hmm. that I created to help get through it yeah to cope yeah
1: like a ton of delusion
0: right which carried over into my relationships with men carried over to re- certain friends that I've allowed in my life and I've learned boundaries. That's what I'm learning right now still is mm-hmm. how to have a boundary with compassion. Yeah. So I can be heard because I want to be heard. Yeah. Absolutely. You have a lot to
1: say. Yeah. And you want to be heard, which is, yeah. So do you, do you think that some of your, I know you mentioned earlier that there was abusive relationships that you got into. Yeah. Um, how many were there? Of oh. that cycle. Like, how many people did you date where it was abusive um, as you got into your, like, I know you said you were drinking in your 20s, right? Like, in, in doing drugs. Yeah, I started
0: drinking when I was, like, 14. <laughs> Holy crap. Really? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's crazy. And so I dated mostly two, two men, one for five years and the other one for three um, that were really abusive. Oh. I'm glad you didn't marry them. Oh my god! And you look back too, and you're like, "What? I know. Why would I do
1: that? Sometimes you do that when you're when you actually married them,
0: right? <laughs> <laughs> like, what just happened? How yeah, did that happened. How, how? did? And not attractive at all. Even yeah, I'm like, just, "What was I drawn to? I know. But it was that I feel like it was the, my way to see. You know, how to stand up for myself. I kept being presented these people to mm. stand in my truth, to stand up for what's right and how to respect, how to be respected and how to command that in a relationship. And I was choosing all these people that were demeaning me. Because and, that, that was love to you. Right. Right. Yeah. Like, that's the part that blows my mind. Right.
1: And that's the that, that's story for many. Totally. Like, that's what they think is that's love. Is when someone's putting you down because they don't know anything else, right? From their own parents, yeah, or siblings, or whatever. And how that how that unfolds—it's really bizarre. And how much you carry into yeah relationships, mm-hmm. and the fact that your brother went the other way, like a little bit more. Weeding in, was, getting yeah.
0: married, and he was the dominant one. Okay. He was the one who had control over all the relationships. He was the one who, you know, he was dominant and I was not. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. It's a little like um, like your mom's infatuation. I'm putting a label on it with your brother. Yeah. This weird no, thing that that's what it was. It's a good word. What it was. Yep. It's extremely, I can't stop thinking about like baby boomer era in just patriarchy and Mm -hmm, just mm -hmm. how much sexism raising a misogynist played a part yeah of what you think your role is as a mother minus all of the crippling mental illness and all the other things that she's experiencing but like in reality is that's many many children have felt that way that the the boy was worshipped Mm -hmm. you know yep and we were second fiddle yep you know it's it's strange. How generationally our society <laughs> is fucked just up. like, yeah, it's so, so fucked up, which be, is how Donald Trump is president. I mean, right. essentially that it's exactly how verbatim, right. like how we've evolved
0: to here. Which, and we're raising narcissists. Yeah. Like this whole country is becoming yep. narcissists. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So I guess that's what I am really feel called down the road of spirituality and healing and helping to, because, you know, we hear about shadow work, right? The shadow, the shadow, which is in everybody is just a place where we aren't taking accountability or responsibility for ourselves and parts of ourselves. And I try, I'm trying to bring a little bit of light into that shadow and to connect people on that because we've all been through trauma. Mm-hmm. You know, and it doesn't matter how much or how little, because even being yelled at when you were a kid could feel yeah. like physical trauma. Like yes. it's all taken, and it's however that person took it. And that's very real for them. And that is their reality and what shaped their lives. And so, it isn't a compare ever a comparison thing, or it's it's just like we all have it, mm-hmm. and we've all and how do we how do we help how do we help make it normalize it? Yeah, how do we and
1: make it um, make it where we're helping each other, right? And there's blame and shame is off the table completely, right? Like where it's not about pointing fingers, um, it's not about feeling shame. For not doing something mm-hmm. or for doing something. Right. Either way. It's really hard to find a place for that. Yeah. In and a fucked up society.
0: Totally. And and then what I'm learning the most through this is I want to be my own damn guru. I want to yeah. be my own hero. You know, and we do. We're, so thank God we have, you know, close relationships or friendships or yeah our animals or, you know, Mm -hmm. if it's not your family, you know, it's a partner or a friend, like we need each other. We do. People need each other. Mm -hmm. And I guess that's, you know, it's nice to have that support so that you can go inside and do that hard work. And when I started facing those things that were terrifying for me, I was like, it was just so liberating Mm. It was so freeing. It was like all these weights were coming off of my back. And I just started saying no to people. I started having, you know, I guess I started just using my voice more. Right. And in a way that I could be heard by the other person, you know, had to learn how to really communicate well, which is still so hard so hard i just want to write it down and text you or something I know. Yes. <laughs> but yeah i just i think once i started really deciding that i was going to commit to that path it wasn't as scary as i had created it to be in my mind it was more scary living with the trauma inside my body yeah because it was so unpredictable and it would just be triggered and come up in different ways. And I was anxious and not grounded at all. And just, you know, giving my energy away and not saving anything for myself. Mm -hmm. And once I started getting more grounded and like doing that work of looking at why am I, why, why is this here? What, how do I help myself? And I just felt so good to just come out and, and say what I needed to say to my mom. Even if she couldn't receive it, it wasn't yeah. about her. It was about me letting her know that I knew. And this is my truth. And you can't argue somebody's truth. Yep. Can't argue their feelings. Nope. So that helped me learn how to not blame, like you were saying. I wasn't like... I mean, clearly, that was her responsibility oh, yeah. to take care of oh, us. Oh, yeah. I like, it makes me want to burn her house down, like right yeah. now. Like,
1: just... Enrages <laughs> yeah me so much. So yes, blame is so. It's really hard thing to work around. Yeah, and through it feels impossible sometimes. Yeah, yeah.
0: But but not wanting to do it, right? Like it's hard not to, especially when it's your childhood self. Right, right. And then doing all that work and learning yeah. how to like play again and yeah. and be my kid self that I never got to be because I was grew up having so much responsibility, and. So I'm just like, I feel like I'm getting younger as I get older because I'm getting rid of all this old, dead weight. Yeah. And and I just I can't express it enough how good it feels to face your fears. Yeah. And know that you have support when you're doing it so you're not alone. You know, there's amazing people like you putting on Shows like this to get people to be heard. And mm-hmm. once people start to use their voices in this way, we just start to really connect. Because I think when you, for most people, when you go through trauma, you separate yourself and you just feel like you're the only one who's experienced this. Oh, yeah. You know, in this way, which is true, right? It mm-hmm. is unique to you. But we separate ourselves in this negative way where we feel all this shame and guilt about things that happen to us. Not that things that we even did. Yeah. Well, sometimes that, like, you are just a straight-up victim, right? And then yes. you're the one carrying the shame mm-hmm. and guilt about it.
1: Mm-hmm. And it becomes your identity. Yeah. And you can't
0: shed it. You cannot shed it. It just sits there. And we don't know how. No. Nope. We don't know that there's options. Like, there's so many different options for people to seek out. Mm-hmm. especially we're, we're so lucky in Portland it's just so open-minded yeah. and there's like all these avenues modalities yeah. and yeah and it's whatever so many resources so it's just trying things just yeah. trying or seeking it that's what I did I just it was like I need help I want to I want to get this out of my body I want to know the truth and that's all the work I had to do was mm-hmm. just really want that and then th- things showed up for me it's just, you know, and that will happen for anybody. It's what you are calling to yourself. What do you want for yourself? You know, and what are we still saying yes to in our lives that that we really don't want? Yeah. What are we showing the universe by allowing things into our lives and these people and these, you know, allowing, yeah, I guess just allowing what we, what isn't really. Yeah. Like The
1: feeling you get when you, um, the minute you say yes to something and you feel like you're swimming against an ocean, yeah,
0: like that rush of like dread, yeah, <laughs> because you're trying to please somebody yeah, else, or you're, you're trying to please somebody yep. else, so, so stupid, and we just do it, yeah, we do
1: it Yeah. repeat, it's yeah, and be, becoming more in tune
0: mm-hmm. with that voice, yeah, right, really listening to your own intuition, yeah. and what does that feel like, what does it feel like. You know, when you are around somebody that doesn't feel good to you. Yeah. And why do we keep, what is in, what is that person showing us about ourselves? How, you know, like I just started trying to tune into my own body. I was so disconnected from my body. Like my head and heart were completely in two different places. Mm -hmm. And. That was what it was about, was really reconnecting back into my heart Mm -hmm. and connecting back into, yeah, just, well, which is also so hard because of all technology and all these things that keep us, keep our head and heart separate. But what it was really about was coming back into myself Mm -hmm. and giving myself space and time to slow down and to feel and to trust what was coming to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah wow lee thank you
1: so much for coming on and sharing your story with us i cannot thank you enough for doing that and being so brave and vulnerable and going so deep and telling us all those details that cannot be easy for anyone to tell it it's just amazing to me that these guests come on and share it. And I hope that you can connect to the story if you've ever had anything like that happen to you. And I find Lee inspiring in how she's attempting to heal and trying different things and creating proper boundaries. I don't know why it is hard for all of us to find boundaries, and know to put ourselves first. So I hope, if not anything, you you got that out of this. Um, I really appreciated the boundary aspect, especially. For Lee's nonprofit, she picked Pair Mentor. It's pearmentor.org here in Portland, Oregon. I really appreciated that she picked this nonprofit because I am sure that, like, in the end, she probably feels like with her mother a little parentless and... PairMentor.org. They were founded in 2002, and they've provided invaluable mentoring services to Portland's homeless and parentless young people for over 15 years. Their mission is to build positive relationship with 15 to 25-year-old homeless and transitional youth through education, arts, recreation to affirm personal worth and create more meaningful and healthier lives. So amazing. They serve 800 homeless young people, and currently they see 55 youth every single day. Um, They were founded with the vision of compassion. It just makes my heart sing so much. And I love that Lee picked this. So check them out. That'll be on our website. Um, Of course, as always, my nonprofit is Rahab Sisters. Uh, You can find them at rahabsisters.org. And and in the meantime, speaking of compassion, uh, think about going on Apple Podcasts and uh, writing us a review and enter that contest. Please do that as soon as you possibly can. Um, show me your compassion. And uh, as always, for the rest of the week, with the virus and all the crazy, crazy politics that we're dealing with, try to take a pause, listen to your intuition, and please lead with compassion. Lead with your hearts free and full of love. Even if you're staring at the virus or your worst enemy, keep loving your heart. Thank you so much for listening, and I love you.